Masech's Bekurim, Perek Aleph, Mishnah Dalad, until Perek Aleph, Mishnah Zayin. The Masech began by telling us that there are three categories of people with regards to the obligation to, number one, bring Bekurim, and secondly, to recite the Mikra Bekurim, which are the Pesukim of thanks to Hashem, which one generally says when he brings the Bekurim. So the first three Mishnahs listed cases where one doesn't bring Bekurim at all, and this Mishnah begins the list, the following people do bring Bekurim, but they do not read the Mikra Bekurim when bringing it. And the first one on the list is Hager, a convert, one who converts to become Jewish, maybe, he does bring the Bikurim, in fact the Torah explicitly says, Ato v'halivi v'hager, you and the Levi and the convert Asher Bikurbecha who is among you, they need to bring Bikurim. However, the Enukure, he does not read the Mikra Bikurim in the Beis Hamikdash when he brings the Bikurim. She'en yachalomar, because he is not able to say, Asher nishpa Hashem la'aviseinu la'ases lanu, that Hashem swore to our forefathers to give us the land. Now from this posseg alone, we see two reasons why a ger cannot recite the Mikra Bikurim. Firstly, as the Mishnah will go on to explain, he's not able to say it la'aviseinu to our forefathers, referring to Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov, because he is not descended from Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov. And the second reason why he cannot say it is because the Posik says losses lono that Hashem swore to give us a land in Eretz Israel. However, converts do not inherit any land in Eretz Israel because none of their ancestors were among the Jewish people when they inherited the land. So there's no one to pass on the land to the convert and therefore he doesn't inherit the land so he can't thank Hashem for a portion in Eretz Israel because he doesn't have any. So for those two reasons, a convert would not say the Mikra Bikurim when bringing them. However, the Imhais Imam Yisrael, if his mother was among the Jewish people, if his mother was Jewish, that means that he was actually Jewish, so he didn't have to convert. The point is, even if his father is not Jewish, and in general the inheritance of Eretz Yisrael was passed from father to son, and since this person's father isn't Jewish, you might think that he won't be able to thank Hashem for a portion in Eretz Yisrael, because he can't inherit from his father an inheritance in Eretz Yisrael. Nevertheless, the Mishnah says, maybe the Kure, he brings Bikurim and he reads the Mikra Bikurim in that case, since at the end of the day he's a Jew, and his ancestors from his mother's side were Jewish, so those two factors combined means that he can thank Hashem for a portion in Eretz Yisrael. Now the next mission and a half will go a little bit off topic to discuss other laws of a Ger, of a convert, and the first of those is the Cheshahumis Palel ben Olivein Atzmai, when a convert davens alone, so whereas a regular Jew in the first bracha of Shemona Esrei would refer to Hashem as Elokeinu Velokeaviseinu, our God and the God of the, our forefathers, namely Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov, since a convert is not descended from Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov, they should say, Omer, he should say Elokeavis Yisrael, the God of the forefathers of the Jews, but not the forefathers of myself. And if he is in the shul leading the rest of the congregation, if he is leading the davening, then Omer he should say Sechem, the God of your forefathers, but again he cannot say the God of our forefathers because he is not included in that. But once again, if his mother was from among the Jews, that makes him Jewish, and so he has exactly the same laws as every other Jew, and so Omer he can say, the God of our forefathers, including himself as a descendant of the forefathers. Now the truth is, there is another opinion which is not mentioned in the Mishnah, and that is that a convert is considered to be the descendant of our forefathers. In fact, he's considered to be the son of Avramovino. 
Avram was called Avham and Goyim, the father of many nations, and we learn from there that every convert is still considered to be the son of Avram and also Yitzhak and Yaakov. That is actually how we Paskin, and therefore a convert would say the regular formula of the davening, just like a regular Jew. Since we're talking about converts, the Mishnah continues to go slightly off topic with another law which applies to converts, and that is that a Kohen cannot marry the daughter of converts. So if two converts marry each other, their daughter cannot marry a Kohen, and that is learnt from the Pasuk, which says that Kohenim need to marry Mizerah Beis Yisrael, descendants of the house of Yisrael, meaning descendants of the original Jews, as opposed to converts. And therefore, Abeliezer ben Yaakov, Omer Abeliezer ben Yaakov says, Ishobas Geirim, a woman who is the daughter of two convert parents, or if she is the descendant of two parents who converted and got married, Leitinos Lakahuna, she cannot get married to a Kohen, unless her mother is from the Jewish people, or if her father is from the Jewish people. As long as one of her parents are descended from the original Jewish people who received the Torah, then she can get married to a Kohen. However, if she traces her lineage, and it comes out that she comes from two parents who got married and were both converts, so that means that her Jewish status only began from that point. She can't trace herself back to the giving of the Torah, so such a woman is not allowed to marry a Kohen. And this applies whether to a regular convert or to a non-Jewish slave who was freed. And the halach is when a Evid Kanani, a non-Jewish slave, is freed, he converts to become a Jew. So he has the same status as a regular convert. Even up till 10 generations after these two converts got married, and the truth is it would apply forever. It doesn't literally mean specifically 10 generations. Rather, it means that if you trace your lineage back to a marriage between two converts, so that means that it must be that you cannot trace back your lineage to the Jewish people at the time of the giving of the Torah. And as such, you are not allowed to marry a Kohen unless their mother or their father is from the Jewish people, or if their grandmother or their grandfather. The point is they must have one ancestor, at least, who comes from the Jewish people naturally. Now the Mishnah goes back to the list of people who do bring the Kurim, but they do not read the Mikra Bikurim, the Pesukim and the words of thanks to Hashem, which one would regularly say when he brings the Bikurim. So the first one on the list was a convert, and the second one is for Apotropos, who is somebody who is appointed by Bastin in order to run the affairs and the finances of orphans whose father dies and leaves very young children. So they need somebody to look after all of their finances and the inheritance from the father. So this person was generally appointed by Bastin, although sometimes he was appointed by the father himself just before he died. So although such a person is looking after land, nevertheless he doesn't own the land, he's just doing it on behalf of the children. So if he is the one who will bring the Bikurim to the Beis HaMikdash, because the kids might be too young, since he doesn't own the land, he does not say the Mikra Bikurim, which is praising Hashem for the land. As well as that, Vahashaliach, somebody who is a messenger. If somebody appoints somebody else to bring his Bikurim to the Beis HaMikdash, he can do that, but the messenger will not need to say the Mikra Bikurim, since it is not his land. Vahaeved, a slave, Vahaisha, and a woman, even if they do own the land, and as such they bring the Bikurim, Nevertheless, they do not say the Mikra Bikurim, since slaves and women did not inherit the land together with everybody else. The Tumtum, this is somebody who neither has male signs or female signs. The Androgynous, this is the opposite. This is somebody who has both male features as well as female features. So since they are not full men, or at least we're not sure whether they're men or women, they do not inherit land, and therefore they are like women, in that they cannot say the Mikra Bikurim, since they don't inherit the land. Now the truth is, when it comes 
comes to a woman, although she can't say the mikra bikurim, if her husband brings her bikurim on her behalf, then he can say the mikra bikurim. This is learned from a pasuk, which talks about your household, and that teaches that a husband can bring the bikurim on behalf of his wife, and since he does inherit land, he can say the mikra bikurim. Now when it comes to the shliach, the messenger, one is not always allowed to appoint a messenger, because since a messenger does not say the mikra bikurim, that means that by sending a messenger to bring the bikurim, you're causing the mikra bikurim not to be said. But if you have an obligation to say the mikra bikurim, then you can't just start appointing a messenger who won't be able to say that. It's only in a case where originally, when you picked the bikurim fruit off the tree, you had the intention that the messenger will bring them to the Beis HaMikdash. So since from the beginning that was your intention, there was never going to be an obligation of Mikra Bikurim because all along it was always going to be the messenger bringing it. So in that case you could appoint the messenger and he won't say the Mikra Bikurim. However, if originally you intended to bring out the Bikurim yourself, so that means that you had an obligation of Mikra Bikurim. So in that case you cannot appoint a messenger since that will be causing the Mikra Bikurim not to be said, but since you have an obligation to say that, it will be forbidden for you to appoint a messenger. Mishnevov, the list of people who bring Bikurim but do not read the Mikra Bikurim continues. The halach is a somebody buys a tree from somebody else and specifies that he is buying the tree as well as the land so then he becomes the owner of the land directly beneath the tree and whatever land immediately around the tree which is needed for the sake of the growth of the tree which means that if for example the tree would die he would be allowed to plant another tree in that place. However, if he doesn't specify when he's buying the tree that he is also buying the land, so if he's only buying one tree, then we understand the arrangement just to be the tree itself, and therefore he does not own the land. Now if he's buying a few trees, for example three trees, so now he's already buying a whole area, so we assume that he also wants to buy the land, so even if he doesn't specify that he is buying the land, he becomes the owner of the land right below the trees, and just around them. The question is, what about if somebody buys two trees? According to the Tanakama, it's a doubt as to what exactly the understanding was. Whether the buyer and the seller's intentions were for him to also buy and sell the land, or whether it was just a tree. And because of that, if somebody buys two trees in his friend's field, maybe he does bring Bikurim in case he owns the land, so he brings Bikurim out of doubt, but for he cannot read the Mikra Bikurim in case he doesn't own the land. Because if he doesn't own the land, then he can't start praising Hashem for giving him the land, because it would be a bit like lying. However, says the Mishnah, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir says, maybe the Kure, he brings Bikurim and he reads the Mikra Bikurim as well. And according to Rabbi Meir, this is not just done out of doubt, Rather, when one buys two trees, the understanding, according to Rabbi Meir, is that he is buying land as well. So since he certainly does own the land, he brings Bikurim and reads the Mikra Bikurim, just like a regular owner of land. Next, what happens if Yorashamayon, the spring dries up? So if a tree gets all of its water from a particular spring, and the spring dries up, and that causes the tree to die. Or Niktats or Elon, if the tree actually gets chopped down. So after you pick the fruit of the Bikurim, then the tree died. So when you come to the Beis Hamikdash, the tree no longer exists. So according to the Tanakam of Enukure, you can't read the Mikra Bikurim, because since the tree no longer exists and it's destroyed, so we don't consider the ground significant either, since the fruit grows from the tree. And that's where they, where they get their nourishment from. So if the tree no longer exists, we don't consider the ground significant either. 
However, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yehuda says, maybe you bring the Bikurim and you do read the Mikra Bikurim since you still own the land. So it might be true that the tree is not there anymore, but ultimately, where did the tree get its nourishment from? The ground. So really, the fruit grew from the ground just via the tree as well. But since the ground is still there, you are able to read the Mikra Bikurim. And the Mishnah ends off with discussing the time of Bikurim, when they should be bought, and the ideal time is Me'at Seres V'Adechag. Between the Yom Tov of Shavuos and the Yom Tov of Sukkos, that is the harvesting season. And if you bring Bikurim during that time, maybe Vikure, you bring it and you do read the Mikra Bikurim, since the Torah says when you bring Bikurim, the you will rejoice over all of the good. And we learn from there, says the Tanakama, that only at a time of rejoicing, namely when the harvest is being brought in, only then do you read the Mikra Bikurim. Now the second stage is Minhechog Vad Chanukah. From Sukkot until Chanukah, so that is past the harvesting season, however, firstly there are certain produce which is still harvested and brought in from the fields between Sukkot and Chanukah. And also we learn from Pesukim that as long as the produce is still in the fields, you can bring the Kurim from that type of produce. So since until Chanukah the produce is still in the fields, maybe you can bring the Bikurim. However, as we explained, Ve'ena you cannot read the Mikra Bikurim since it is not a time of rejoicing anymore. And the reading of the Mikra Bikurim, that depends on the rejoicing since the Pesuk which says you need to rejoice is said with regards to the Mikra Bikurim. However, Behudman Beseira says maybe the Kurim from Sukkot until Chanukah, you would bring the Bikurim and you would read the Mikra Bikurim as well. Since as long as there is still produce in the field, you can bring Bikurim in the regular way, and it is, it is still considered an ideal time to bring Bikurim, and so you can also read the Mikra Bikurim together with it. Mr. Zion, what happens if Hifish Bikurov, somebody separated his Bikurim, so he picked the Bikurim off the trees, designated them as Bikurim to bring to the Beis HaMikdash, but before doing so, Mochar Sadehu, he sold his field. Says the Mishnah, maybe, he definitely needs to bring the Bikurim which he separated, since he designated them as Bikurim, so that obligation is not removed just by selling it. However, the Enokore, he does not read the Mikra Bikurim, since he can no longer praise Hashem for his land, since he no longer owns it. So that's what the seller needs to do. Now what about the Hashemi, the second person, meaning the person who who bought the field. So Me'oisamin, from that same species from which the owner separated Bikurim, Enomevi, the buyer does not need to separate Bikurim, since the Bikurim of that species have already been exempted. Those were designated even before he bought the field. However, Mimin Acher, from another species, meaning if the seller only separated Bikurim from one of the species which were growing in that field, but not another one, so maybe the Kure, the buyer would need to bring those Bikurim and he can even read the Mikra Bikurim when bringing those Bikurim, since the seller didn't have anything to do with those Bikurim, he didn't designate them, rather the buyer designated them, and he owns the land on which they grew, and therefore as well as bringing the Bikurim, he can even read the Mikra Bikurim, since he does own the land on which they grew. Now Rabbi Yehuda argues on a slight point, and Rabbi Yehuda, Omer, Rabbi Yehuda says, Even from that same species which the seller designated Bikurim from, Maybe the Kure, the buyer would bring the Kurim from that species again, and he would read the Mikra Bikurim as well. So again, according to the Tanakama, the buyer would not bring the Kurim from that species at all. And the reason for the Tanakama is because the Posak says when he reads the Mikra Bikurim, it says Higazti Hayoim. I am declaring today. And he goes on to say that he declares that he brought the Bikurim and he wants to thank Hashem. But the fact that the Torah had to say that he says, I am declaring today, implies that he only declares once. Only one declaration can be made. That's why he emphasizing I am declaring today that I'm bringing Bikurim, 
But once this declaration has been made, a second declaration is never made. And therefore, according to the Tanakama, once Bikurim have been brought once, there is no need to bring Bikurim again from the same species. However, according to Yehuda, that's only talking about the same person. He says, Higadati Hayom. I am declaring today. That only implies that one person would only declare and bring Bikurim once for the same species. But a different person could declare the Bikurim again, and therefore, according to Rabbi Yehuda, if the field is sold after the seller, the original owner, designates Bikurim, the buyer should also bring the Bikurim and make the declaration, since a declaration by two different people for the same species, that can be made as long as it's not the same person making the declaration a second time.